Welcome to our weekly podcast. I'm so excited to share with you again today, Overcoming Insecurities. This is part four. If you haven't listened to the first three, I'd encourage you to go back and and, uh, listen to these. Go to our YouTube YouTube channel and uh, watch them if you want to see the video of it. But my name is Alan Spiegel. I am founder of Safe Harbor International Network of Ministers and also the founder of Journey School of Ministry. And I'm so excited to be launching gracechannel.com. It is a powerful and will be even more so resource for people that are looking for information, good solid doctrine about the grace of God. There's a lot of misunderstandings out there right now concerning the grace of God. But today we're going to go further with overcoming insecurities. Now, last time we left off with this statement. Our ministries, life in general, will never be any healthier, our families, business. But our ministries, our life, will never be any healthier than the health of my self-worth and emotions. And if I feel insecure, I don't feel good about myself. I don't feel like I measure up. I I don't feel valued. It's because I'm not looking to the finished work of Jesus. I'm looking at something else. And I'm keeping the wrong scorecard. Jesus became our sin, took our judgment, so that we could be in a love relationship with God as a father, not just God, but as a father, as a father, not just God, but as a father. I knocked a microphone over there. Now think about this. Most people never really get to the place where they see God as a loving father. He is a loving father. You may have had a father who loved you so greatly, but your father's love doesn't compare to God your father's love. Or you may have had a father that didn't express love to you. And, and, but God, your father loves you and nothing could ever change that reality. So we left off talking about uh, the health of our ministries and how we have to become healthy. In Ephesians 1.1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful, in Christ Jesus. Now, this is what the Amplified says of Ephesians 1.1. Paul, an apostle, special messenger of Christ Jesus, the Messiah, by the divine will and purpose and choice of God to the saints, the consecrated, set apart ones at Ephesus, who are faithful and loyal and steadfast in Christ Jesus. So that is the introduction to the letter that he wrote the church at Ephesus. But I want you to notice what it says here. Paul says, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm a sent one. I'm a special messenger by the will of God. You know, it took me a long time, long time, years, to get comfortable being me. And as I overcame and am overcoming insecurities, uh, 
I was able to do ministry the way that God had called me to do it and not to mimic someone else. So I want to challenge you today as we look into the word more today, I want to challenge you today concerning who you are, what you're called to do, and where you're called to do it. Now, I'm going to make that statement again in a moment. But I want you to think about something with me. Paul in Ephesians 1.1 is basically saying this. I have discovered who God made me to be. Now, think about it. Not who a committee made me to be. Not what the group wants me to be. You know, I, I was, you know, born and raised here in, in Alabama in what we call the buckle of the Bible belt. And while I knew I was called into pastoral ministry, I knew that I couldn't fit the mold that I saw in pastors. Now, I don't mean that in a bad way toward pastors in any shape, form, or fashion. But I couldn't be like everything I had, I had seen. But you know what? Because I didn't know any different, and I didn't feel confidence, I didn't feel worthy, I would mimic other people that I respected, respected them highly. Because of insecurities, not feeling good about myself, I don't measure up. I'm not smart enough. I'm not whatever enough. And I don't feel good about myself. And because I don't feel good about myself, I would mimic other people. You know, Paul said, I have discovered who God made me to be. You see, leadership, whether it's in ministry or, or whatever, and I'm kind of going from that angle right now, leadership begins with a self-discovery of who we are, what we're called to do, and where we're called to do it. That's the beginning place. That's the starting place. You know, in, in ministry, you'll, you'll do a lot of things until you narrow it down later in life to what you're called to be. You know, when I started, you know, I was like this. I, you know, it's like a period, you know, and, and the further I walk with God, the more narrow the scope became in what I was to do for God. I tried just about everything in church, youth, Sunday school, you know, whatever, you know, lead the prayer group, whatever it needed to do, you know, I would do it. And But you know what? Nothing scratched the itch, so to speak. Nothing satisfied me. And so I had to discover who I am. Now, wait a minute. Not who I am in ministry, but who God made me to be. See, my ministry is not who I am. My ministry is just what I do. Who I am is based on what God says and who God says I am. It's, it's not my position. You know, I've said this so many times, and many of you have heard me say this, that if we were to go around in a group of 100 people and say, all right, stand up, tell me your name, and tell me who you are without saying what you do. Who are you? You know, what's your name? Think about it. Answer that to yourself. What's your name, 
and who are you? See, most people struggle because of insecurities we haven't been taught, struggle to say who they are without saying what they do. Again, what you do is not who you are, good or bad. Hello, my name is Alan. I'm a pastor. No, that's not who I am. That's just what I do. See, if I make what I do who I am, even from the good side, and that ever changes, I feel bad about myself. I don't feel worthy any longer. I feel like a failure. And that, that is a, a trap that so many people fall into. I fell into it. I made what I was doing who I was. And, and that was a downward spiral uh, into a, a pit of depression, anxieties, people pleasing, and all the things that we've talked about in the last three or four podcasts. Now, so three, there's three questions that every leader must answer. Three questions. Number one, who am I? Not, not, oh, wait, wait. Not who do people say? That's what Jesus asked the disciples. I said, who, who do people say I am? And some say, well, some say you're Elijah. Some say John the Baptist. And some say this one and some say that one. And then he asked a very Powerful, important question. But who do you say I am? See, Jesus wanted them to see how much other people's opinions about him had influenced their thinking about him. But who am I? Who are you? You are who God called you to be. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are the head and not the tail. You're a winner, not a loser. And I could go on and on and on. But that's who you are. What you do is just what you do. Right? I mean, that's totally it. That's, that's just it. You know, I've, I've, I've uh, shared this so many times, you know, concerning this, but you'll never discover what you're to do and where you, to, you are to do it until you discover who God made you to be. See, we get, we get ahead of ourselves. We want to know where we're going to do it, excuse me, excuse me, what we're going to do and where we're going to do it before we ever discover who we are. Remember, I said this in the last podcast, when you're filled with insecurities, praise puffs you up, criticism discourages you. And you're always going to have both. You know, I, I wish criticism wasn't part of it, but, but it is. Jesus was criticized. Paul was criticized. Moses was criticized. All the great faith people in the Bible were criticized. So why are we going to be different? But one major difference we often see, not in all, not in all of our faith heroes, but for the most part, they understood who they were. Before they figured out what they were to do, and where they were to do it. See, we get ahead of ourselves sometimes. We want to know what and where before we discover who. Again, who God made you to be is not, listen, is not 
Who God made you to be is not what you do. Let me, let me show, share a scripture with you. Uh, this is in um, Matthew. Excuse me one second here. Throat's getting a bit dry. I don't know what the weather's like where you are, but it's getting hot in Alabama. Again, then I read this verse. Until you know who you are, you know, who, who you were made to be, what you're to do and where you're to do it doesn't really matter. And here's why. Because until you discover who you were made to be, what you're to do and where you're to do it, your heart is not in a position to do it. I mean, I hate to say it like this, excuse me, but as a leader, leading anything, leading your family, leading a business, leading a ministry, lack of a better term, you got to have thick skin. I don't mean a hard heart. I mean, you got you got you got to toughen up on the inside because you're always going to get criticized. You know, everybody's everybody who leads is going to be criticized. Don't like it, but that's the way it is. Okay. Now, until you discover who you were made to be, what you're to do and where you're to do it doesn't really matter because your heart's not in a position to do it. You're not equipped to do it. And the third thing, you can't support the load required to do it. Let me say those three things again. That's, that's, a, that's some powerful stuff. Who you were made to be, uh, excuse me, until you know who you were made to be, who God says you are, what you're to do and where you're to do it doesn't matter because your heart, if you have not discovered who you're made to be, your heart's not in a position to do it. You're not equipped to do it. And you cannot support the load required to do it. I have seen so many people, um, how can I say this, jump out in ministry that weren't ready. Now, we'll never be completely ready. Don't misunderstand me. When I'm talking about not ready, I'm talking about they were not emotionally ready. And because they weren't emotionally ready, they went out and started a ministry. You know, you, you really can't find people going out and start ministries in the Bible. You find where they were sent to start ministries, start churches. They were sent because a body of elders, overseers, saw their giftings and talents and said, they're ready, let's send them. But someone who just jumps out by themselves without oversight, I'm not saying controlling you, I'm saying just some godly oversight. Most of the time, they it ends in failure. I mean, I hate to say that. I wish I didn't have to say that. See, if if you're not secure, I'll read that verse in Matthew 9, Matthew 9 in a minute. If you're not secure in who God made you to be, your position in leadership in life will overwhelm you. So you're not secure. If you're not secure and you become a pastor, 
you have a ministry. That position of leadership will overwhelm you because you weren't emotionally ready. Leadership doesn't minimize insecurities. It magnifies them. Leading doesn't make you feel better about who you are. It'll make you feel worse. See, when you're insecure and the pressure's on, you make some mistakes, you know, you, you have some failures, uh, you know, did some, made some bad decisions about your ministry. We're not talking about sinful things. We're just talking about making some bad decisions, putting the wrong person in a position. Here's a thought. It's a lot easier to put someone in a position than it is to take them out. So be careful. There's a scripture talks about lay hands on no one suddenly. In other words, don't give approval to and for a person until they're ready. If you're not secure in who God made you to be, your position in leadership will overwhelm you. As I said, leadership doesn't minimize your insecurities. It makes them worse. Leading doesn't make you feel better about who you are. The leader must be secure because they're surrounded by people who will try to tell them who they are. Oh, that's a powerful statement there now. I want you to get that. A leader must be secure because they're going to be surrounded in business, ministry, life, just in general. But let's think about it from a ministry standpoint or business standpoint. As a leader, you're always surrounded by people. who will try to tell you who you are, who they want you to be. That's all the time. All the time. When I first started traveling, when we were pastoring in Florida, and I was gone a lot, had a good staff around me, the church didn't go lacking. And, you know, there were some people that didn't like the fact that I traveled and and I, I remember one person in particular talking to my wife, talking to Janice about it, and said, you know, I'd still be coming to church here if, if Adam was here, you know, 50 Sundays out of the year. And, you know, I thought about that a lot. Does that person think I decided that? Does that person think that I decided I wanted to be gone 10 to 16 Sundays a year? away from my wife, away from my children and grandchildren, my church family. No, I didn't decide that. But see, when I was younger, if I'd had those opportunities, I would have kind of cowed down to the demands of the people. See, a leader has to be secure because you'll be surrounded by people who'll try to tell you who they think you should be. So who we are is the defining factor in what we do, where we do it, when we do it, how we do it. I mean, there's a lot of do's in there that hinge on who we are. Now, in Matthew 9, 9, I'm going to share this verse with you, and I will pick it up right here next time. Matthew 9, 9, the Bible says, I've shared this with you before. Matthew 9, 9, one of my favorite passages in, in the Gospels. 
It's Matthew's call to ministry. Matthew 9, 9, it says, and Jesus passed by. You know, Matthew was a tax collector. He was a subcontractor for, from, for the Roman government. He collected taxes from the Jewish people. And then he had a surplus on top of that that he would pocket himself. So he was stealing from his people. He was considered the lowest of the low. You know, you could be a, a murderer, a sinner, and that's all you were, just a murderer or a sinner. But if you were a tax collector, you had a category of sin all by yourself. I mean, how many times do you see the scripture say, and many notorious sinners came to listen to Jesus. Many notorious sinners and tax collectors came to hear Jesus. Well, Jesus passed by Matthew 9, 9, and it says that he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the seat of custom, no words, collecting taxes, and said, come follow me. And the Bible says that he got up, walked off, went, and they went to Matthew's house, and that night they had a party. And the religious disciples come unglued. The Pharisees and the scribes came unglued. You know, does he not realize who he's eating with? See, in our day, eating a meal with someone doesn't mean a whole lot. But in that day, it was a very intimate thing that you did with someone, and it meant I accept you as a person. So Jesus shared a meal with him, shared a party with him. Now, that doesn't seem very significant until you read the other Gospels. Matthew said, when Jesus passed by, he saw a man named Matthew, sitting at the seat of custom, said, come and follow me. The other gospels record it this way. When Jesus passed by, he saw a tax collector named Matthew and said, come and follow me. Now, wait a minute. What's the difference? Matthew said when he, said, when he walked by, he saw a man. The other writers of the gospels say, when he passed by, he saw a tax collector named Matthew and said, come and follow me. So really what Matthew realized and what Matthew said, I'm kind of guessing here, I've met a man. Mm, I'm powerful. I've met a man for the first time in my life that has separated what I do from who I am. He didn't call me a tax collector. He called me a man. And when God looks at you and he looks at me, even the good stuff, he does not make that who we are. Who we are is who God says we are. It's not wrapped up in what we're called to do. Well, we'll pick it up there next time. If you haven't listened to or watched the other uh, podcasts, they're, they're also on YouTube, gracechannel.com, YouTube channel. We've just got it up and going. Uh, go subscribe there and you can watch the videos of these. But until next time, focus on, again, I'm loved, I'm accepted by God, I'm valued by God, I'm worth, let that be your slogan this week, I'm worth what God paid for me. Say it right now. Say, I'm worth what God paid for me. And you really are. God knew what he was getting when he got you. And he's not disappointed now. Until next time, blessings to you.